lifelong hockey person <laughs> was able to spend my whole working career in the in the game of hockey the first eight years as a player and then the next 35 years as a coach at various levels everything from prep school to the national hockey league europe minor pros you know i i guess i haven't really thought about it much but uh, it's an interesting business to be in that long you have to be blessed to to, to stay in the business you somewhere along the lines you have to have had a little bit of success to continue to be in the business. I think the, the highlight of, of, of the career has uh, has been the people we've met along the way. You know, I think as a young player and coach, you want to win. I, I think you think that's what it's all about. And then you realize uh, when you won a couple of times how fleeting that feeling is. And there better be something deeper than that if you're going to truly stay in it and enjoy it for as long as we have. It is the people. It's relationships that you create over the, the years and, and you stay in touch with. And, uh, you know, those those are the things that uh, that remember that you remember and that I think are, are, are worthwhile and sustain you through a, a career. to the 16th and final episode of the Monsters Eye View podcast presented by PropSwap for the 2021-22 season. We're into the offseason. We're ready to cap off a great year of conversations with folks from the Monsters universe and, and people from across the hockey landscape too. We've had so much fun talking to everyone and learning so much about all of our fine guests throughout the season. And we're back one last time. And it is a dandy of a guest this time around. With Nicole Del Delvolano, I am Tony Brown. And of course, we are presenting by PropSwap. Guys, the NBA playoffs are well underway and PropSwap is the best place to turn the hardwood into cold hard cash. PropSwap is the only app that allows you to pick your favorite teams and sell your bets whenever you want. Many PropSwappers make thousands of dollars just by buying and selling championship futures all playoff long. This allows you to win over and over without your team ever lifting the trophy. Go to PropSwap.com or download the free PropSwap app today. So, Nicole, our guest today, the one, the only, Mike Eves. He has spent the last three seasons as the head coach of the Monsters, and before that, a lifetime of hockey experience. If you literally can think of a hockey league, he has probably coached in it, uh, and that includes over in Europe. That includes coaching the U.S. team to a World Junior Championship gold medal, his illustrious collegiate career at his alma mater, Wisconsin, and all of his professional experience in the NHL, AHL as well. So we have gotten to know Mike so uh, well over the course of his time with Cleveland. He is a very loquacious guy. And uh, so our conversation today, we touched on a whole lot of different things, but I don't know about you. I just enjoyed getting to talk to him because we didn't, you know, have a chance to talk to him that much throughout the season, given the health problems that he was experiencing. But the good news is he's feeling great and uh, was really generous with his time for this conversation. Yeah. Coach Eves has always been one of the, one of the best. I can always say from, especially when I would interview him for articles, he was like the best interview because you'd ask him one question and he'd give you a 10 minute response, which gave you so many sound bites. He's just perfect. But even without that, he's just such a natural uh, conversationalist and just so easy to talk to and so kind. So it was great. Yeah. To get to talk to him and check in with him and everything too, after not getting to this season. So uh, our conversation with Mike Eves, that is the focus of today's episode. We will get out of the way and uh, hear now from the outgoing Monsters head coach, Mike Eves, who joins us on the Monsters I View podcast, presented by PropSwap. The 
place I wanted to start maybe, Mike, was just with the announcement at the end of the season. Um, all the fans uh, received that information that you'd be stepping away right. from the bench. And, uh, of course, the fans were aware throughout the year that you weren't on the bench, despite being the head coach. Uh, we know you were dealing with uh, some health issues and, and things of that nature. So feel free to share as much or as little as, as you'd like about that. But just, you know, now that there's sort of a period at the end of the sentence a little bit here, and we know you're stepping away from the bench, I wonder how that feels after all this time to consider the next chapter. When Yarmo and Billy Zito reached out three years ago to chat about the, the position here, um, th they were very upfront and said, Ever, we'd like you to come in and we'd like you to coach for three years and help our, our group out here and kind of do what you do. And, and and then they said very honestly, and, and then at that time, we, we'd take a look at what else you could do for our organization. So I, I, that was, I really appreciated that. It didn't turn out and end quite the way I had imagined it. And there was health issues the whole year. And I'll, I'll just, briefly go through and give you a reader's digest version we got back here in september and was going down the stairs and uh, i slipped and, and i tore some rotator cuff muscles and uh got the mris and decided we needed surgery okay we'll get that done take care of it you know get going and and during the pre-op uh, found out that my ticker was having electrical problems and that led to me not being on the bench for the year because of the fact that uh, it wasn't as black as white as they hoped it would be and that you know sometimes medicine just isn't but i had some ticker problems it took a while to get fixed. And, uh, and by the end of the year, when I could have come back, you know, Trent and Testy were well ingrained on the bench and it didn't seem right to, to at least in my viewpoint, to step in. And they were doing a, I'll tell you what, they, they did a very good job. Well, that's a whole other thing we can get into in a little bit, but they did a great job, uh, in my opinion, in, in, in being jumping into the deep end, if you will, with not a lot of experience and, and carrying the ball. And I thought what they did down the stretch with the young lads after, you know, we, we didn't quite make the playoffs in the guy still played hard. It was funny. You see 12,000 people in the last game of the year that really doesn't mean a lot. And it's still a good product on the ice. The guy still played hard for each other. So it didn't go the way that uh, I, I certainly would have wanted it to kind of end. But, you know, isn't that funny about life, Tony? The fact that, you know, we, we make plans in our heart, but in the end, it's out of our control <laughs> how things work out. And uh, in this case, it didn't end the way that I had hoped or wanted, but it ended in a, in a good fashion. And I think it really sets up you know, the group for next year too, because of the experience that those two young men had. You know, you say, obviously it didn't end exactly how you wanted, but with all your experience and your knowledge and everything, how were you able to sort of adapt? Because obviously, you know, we know maybe the fans didn't see it as much, but you were still around. You were still uh -huh. able to be down in the room at the end of the game in between periods. So how did you sort of adapt to still being able to help the team? My, my first paragraph on this topic will be the fact that <laughs> I was kind of figuring it out on the go too. At the beginning, when I was first, First out. I didn't quite know how to. I tried to. I tried to stand on the boat at, uh, bench and coach during practice. Um, I actually went out in my shoes one day and ran a drill with a whistle in hand. Uh, it was a drill that we knew, and uh, you know, I know Tom wasn't happy with me on that. I, I was trying to push the envelope, but, but as. Uh, as time went on, I realized, you know, I, I can't do the same things I was doing. So I yeah. finally kind of grew up in this and said, okay, what, what could I do that would be effective that could help both the coaches and the players at the same time? And really, it came down to giving them feedback in one-on-one -on -one situations, video feedback, little projects with guys, and then just to give verbal feedback and observations from up above for the coaches. So they, they might be something that they, when you're behind the bench, 
especially during games, it's the worst seat in the, in the, in the arena. It's not till later when you go back and watch the game on video that you see most of the game by giving them observations in between periods was a little bit of a, I felt that I could do that. Uh, and so those are the things that kind of how it ended up coming to fruition and how I could help. But it was a process, Nicole, for sure. This is the Monsters Eye View podcast presented by PropSwap, the final episode, Mike, of the first season. And we're honored to have Mike Eves with us here, outgoing Monsters head coach. You know, you mentioned earlier Trent Vogelhuber and Mark Letestu. I, I wanted to follow up there because those are a couple of young coaches. I mean, Mark was experiencing his first season as a coach and Trent, certainly with the exception of maybe the Traverse City tournament, had, had never been a head coach before. So I wonder what your impressions were. And you said a little bit about this already, but your impressions of these guys sort of being thrust into this position they didn't anticipate and the way they were able to adapt and grow and learn. And, and by the end of the year, put the, put the whole thing together, like you said. So, so what was your thought about how those guys evolved this season as individuals? I think to give the folks listening uh, an understanding, I'm sure they've heard this saying before, but it was for them, it was much like trying to drink out of a fire hydrant. I mean, it was, it was coming at them fast and furious and it, and it started right from training camp for Vogzi in terms of he was walking to the rink uh, one day uh, and he kind of found out he was going to run practice and training camp. You know, that was the beginning of the year for him. And then Testy too, uh, you know, them coming after the fact, after the fact for him was Steve McCarthy being assigned, if you will, or, you know, to, to, to Cleveland, which was a good move because with that young defensive core, they truly needed him. And he did, a, I mean, this is just a side note, but that, that, that team got so much better without the puck. And a lot of that was the young D and the coaching staff, in general gets credit for that for, but to Mac for I mean it was a day-to-day he was working with those young guys and they they defended much better down the road than they did at the beginning of the season so but so Testy Testy and Vogzi were here and uh, the one thing about those two guys I mean being a player you know you you understand how the game comes together as a player you know what works and what needs to happen during the course of a game in order to be successful you you know what practice is about you know how you have to practice and and that's a good place to start but now it's the minutia that is around all of that that you've got to take in you're not just worried about one guy anymore like you prepare yourself for practice or a game but they got to worry about 26 players staff trainers strength coaches bus drivers schedules working with jock you know this is a lot to take in and and this year was you know really jumping into the deep end and i could see in Vogzi and testy as we chatted how their vision changed and they were much more comfortable with the wide vision and that they learned what what things they had to take care of and and how to grow and it's just the beginning it, it'll you know i was thinking back to my career and, and, and being in that position. I was about the same age as Vogsy, 33, when I was in uh, Hershey for the first time as a head coach of American League team. But I'd been a head coach and an assistant coach at, at, at the NHL level, so I had a little bit more experience. I almost can't imagine what that was like. So, again, the, the bottom line is they did a really terrific job, and you could tell by the way the team played at the end. They, they could have It could have unraveled to a point where it was sloppy on the ice, but the guys came every day. And not only does that speak to, to Vogzi and, and Testy, but also to the leadership core in the group that they, they didn't let it get away. They played with pride. They played hard for each other, and in the end, uh, that will serve them well as they move on to this next season. Well said. Uh, it, it certainly was a lot of fun to watch 
that hockey at the end of the year. And I've, I've covered teams that have struggled and missed the playoffs. And oftentimes <laughs> those last two weeks of the season oh. are awful. So this was anything but that. Uh, it, it, it was uh, great to see them specifically in that, that Rochester series with Rochester playing for so much. Uh, yes. being able to perform and get those wins. Let's, let's shift gears a little bit now. I wonder if you can think back all the way to your playing days and throughout all of your coaching stops. And as we talked about, you've been at every level and just about any situation you could imagine. But how much has hockey changed? And maybe how has it changed and evolved over the course of your involvement with the sport? Mm. Um, what things are the same as they always have been? And what things have really gotten different as uh, as the game has, has grown and evolved here? First and foremost, I would say how we handle or treat the players has changed uh, from my days as a, as a player it was a, a little bit more authoritative in terms of this is what we do and if I say run through the wall I want you to run through the wall nowadays it it is not like that uh, kids have changed players have changed and that it's more of if they're going to do something if we're going to do something it's together there's a there is a relationship and if they're going to do x y and z well they want to know why and in, in a way is it a effective that we're doing this and what's in it for, for me a little bit. So I think we have to explain things a lot more to our players and they, it, it becomes more of a partnership than a dictatorship, if you will. And I think from, from that standpoint, that's, that's one thing that it has changed probably the most in, in, in my view in looking at from above. So I would say that is the first thing. Other than that, you know, in terms of, well, your business, I think we're, you know, the media has, oh, I never heard of a podcast. What was it? How long have you been around? 10, 10 years, you know, Tony, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. They finally twisted my arm and got me to do one this year. So. <laughs> but I think we're a lot more connected. People have access a lot more to what's going on. I think that's one of the, the services that Nicole, you provide for the fans is an inside view and all the things that you do on a daily, weekly basis, you know, in between period interviews or, or guys doing special project in the community. So we're a lot more closer tied to the community that we're in because of, of what you guys do. Would you agree with that, Nicole? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, it's, it's fun. It's great to be able to, especially with this podcast, to be able to offer, you know, some different views of not just guys on the ice or even just our coaching staff. Cause I know we had Trent and Mark on for our first couple episodes, but, you know, just being able to show different parts of, of hockey. It's not just the game anymore. There's so much more that people like to know. I think another thing that has changed over the years is I think financially guys make a lot more money now, which, you know, is a good thing. I think that everybody wins when that happens, but the, because of that fact, guys are, are taking care of their, uh, their bodies and minds better. The nutrition that goes into their daily awareness, the way they, they, they train, they've all got special trainers now in the summer that's really grown in leaps and bounds uh, over the years to the fact where, you know, they, they now understand they're a, they're a race car and they got to put good fuel in it. <laughs> I have a question in relation to all your coaching experience. Like, obviously you talk about all the different levels you've coached at. And I think taking the obvious of like, um, you know, any runs, playoff runs, any of that stuff out. What, if you think back on your career, which you could take a second to think too, was there a season that you felt was very rewarding for you? Like maybe not necessarily the on ice production, but you talk a lot about relationships and relationships you have with players and other staff and everything. Was there, if you look back in your mind, is there one season that sort of stands out to you as this was a pretty rewarding year in my career? Well, I think uh, it's a little bit tied uh, into 
to success because I think when when you have success with a group, people see the tip of the pyramid, you know, but they don't see the part that's underneath the water, the Nola surface. Uh, and I think in um, in 2006 when we won that national championship, Tony, that we referred to earlier with University yeah. of Wisconsin, it was interesting from the standpoint of how that group came together. We we had some things off ice. One of our players' father was very ill, and and we had uh, we had a golf tournament, a couple of them, um, to try to help financially, and, and that brought our guys closer together. But then there was a turning point where we had lost our starting goaltender. We were or oh, we we were so far ahead in the standings and lost our starting goalie, Brian Elliott, who's still playing with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and uh, we lost him for about six weeks due to a knee injury, and uh, we put in a young freshman, and uh, I mean he's a freshman, and we struggled. And then Brian came back and was like, okay, Brian's here. We're just going to pick up right where we left off. And we got swept on the road and it was like, what just happened? We had captain's meetings right after the game in, in the coach's room. We went in as a team and we talked as a team and the guys were fired up and it was, it was this communication that was going on. And it was at that point that this group of young men became the team that became a championship team. And I think it was, it was really a, a vivid moment for me and one that I'm talking about right now because of that transformation that happened in that moment that the guys realized they had to do their part as a member of this team and as they stepped forward for the next I think we won we won 11 of the last 12 games in the national championship so it was that growth of that group and I think that bonded us in a way that when we see and I talk to these guys on the phone once in a while there's an immediate deep connection because of that experience and uh, it, it, it's one that stands out and it's I know it's it's very similar to an experience that we had in uh, in the World Junior Championships in 2004. It was from the National Development Program, and most of the guys of that group had been together all year. And you go through those tough times. We actually went to ground zero in New York before we went to Finland. And that was a sobering experience for those young men. And they actually adapted a couple of sayings from like, let's roll from the flight that that the guys stormed the cockpit. That was one of the their sayings. They they came up with that from that on their own as one of their battle cries in going into those games. So those moments are special. And uh, it's a great question because it it, it invokes a lot of uh, great memories and the process of those memories you know again you see the championship but it was all this stuff that happened underneath the water that that was so instrumental in getting that done uh, we're talking here with mike eaves on the monsters i view podcast presented by prop swap and you know mike you mentioned you know everything going on under the water there I, you know i think like it's really easy for people to forget that hockey players or coaches or hockey people people devote themselves to this game and that affects more than just them it affects their entire family and it takes a whole lot of support to successfully navigate it as long and successful a career as you have had so how about just for a, a quick word on on your family how they have been there for you all throughout this process and how uh you know I, i'm just guessing but without them you probably wouldn't be here right no and the closest family member is uh, i'm sitting at our townhouse now here in cleveland is uh, is my bride bethy and uh 
I don't know how she's done it. I mean, it's funny because uh, her dad was a coach too and a teacher at the University of Wisconsin and uh, coached football and track, uh, started the golf program. By the way, she kicked my butt in golf class on the putting contest that she still brings that up every year. But it's funny, she lived in the same house her, her whole life growing up. Same high school, same grade school, went to Wisconsin, you know, and uh, and then she married this guy. And uh, I mean, we've moved 30 times. A lot of it's self-imposed because of where we wanted to live. But and a lot of those things, like as a player, my excuse was I have to train. I'm too busy to pack. Or as a coach, I'm, I'm off to do the job. And she's many times is at home packing up a place by herself and with two kids. So she's she is the... Uh, uh, the, the pillar of this family. It's funny that the boys, everything in life, they talk to her about if it's hockey or training and they come see me, but uh, she, she's the real foundation of, of this whole thing. And then our boys, uh, Ben and Patrick, what an adventure we've had. I mean, we, we, <laughs> One year we went to Finland. We took our 90 pound Labrador and uh, we went over to Finland. The boys are 15 and 13. Actually, this was Bethy's fault. This one, if you want to call it a fault, because I got a call from Billy Zito. Yarmo was the, the general manager of a team in Finland, was looking for an American coach. Then we were at a prep school in Minnesota and we had left the pros to go back for the prep school because we thought it'd be good for the kids. Billy calls and I said, no, we're here. We're good. Went home, told Bethy about it. She says, are you kidding me? A chance to go abroad? with the kids and I said whoa back the trolley up here what about and she said no this would be too good to pass so we we, we took the dog and everybody went over there and we still laugh about that year there because of all the stupid things because we didn't know customs we didn't know how things got done so that was truly fun so they've been the foundation of uh, helping us me get through all of this and it was always about how the family fit into the scheme of the hockey too making sure it was a good foot that way families obviously and it's something that all the guys we talk to talk about is how much like the family really hold you're saying it too like is just such a big support system but um something which granted my first year i feel like i may have been with a very young team in binghamton i think we were a young team so i didn't see too much of their families yeah. or significant others around the room compared to what i've been seeing in cleveland where you have galley his son his daughters around the room um you know when zach dalpy was here his son's always down there so yeah. as like a coach and especially someone who knows how much like it's not just your family it's a hockey family how nice is it to see the guys bringing their kids their wives their significant others around the room too oh it, it, it's what makes it work you know and let's not forget the dogs yes the dogs <laughs> the, 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 and, and the guys love seeing other people's dogs you know it reminds them of their own dog or when they were growing up so, I mean, what we do, you guys, you know, the travel that we do, it's especially where we are here in terms of our division, it's a little goofy and to be, you know, some days you drag your fanny out of bed and you go to the rink and there's somebody's child or there's somebody's dog and uh you know it it lightens and brightens up the locker room and uh it, it's a good thing and and i think everybody recognizes it, it just it warms your heart and uh it's one of the reasons you look forward to going to the rink we're talking here with uh, outgoing monsters head coach mike Eaves on the monster side view podcast presented by our great friends at prop swap so mike i'm gonna i'm gonna give you one more here you've been great thank you so much again for taking the time to do this it's great to talk to you we didn't get a chance to talk no. to you no we 
yeah, we missed this all too. I know. Years. So, uh, <laughs> so it is, it's really great to catch up and, uh, you know, hope you guys have a great summer and all of that and excited about what's ahead. But let's go there because you mentioned earlier, the Blue Jackets said, you know, maybe we'd look for something else within our organization. What are some of the things that you're still interested in? What, what are some of the roles you maybe like to explore in this next phase of your career? I've been, again, blessed to, to, to have seen a lot of hockey over the years. And I, I think knowing what to look for in a young player, when, you, when you're a college coach, you're you're a scout too. You recruit, and that's basically what it is. So you watch young players. Did you guys ever see the movie Trouble with the Curveball? Yeah, yeah, good one. Oh, man. So it's about an older scout, and his eyes are going, and his daughter grew up with him on the road. And, and it's when you watch players, there's little things, and a good scout will see those little things. Uh, how a player turns or, you know, can he catch a pass? on the first touch, you know, little things, how the puck comes off his stick when he shoots. There's, they're, they're, they're more than just visual things. There's sounds. And then there's watching a young person on the bench and how he carries himself on the ice in terms of, you can, it's an almost like an x-ray vision of who they are, their character. Are they on the bench yelling at their teammate? Are they yapping at the ref? These are indicators because guys are always talking now about how much, how important character is. Well, there's, there's little indicators that you get by watching a player. So with all the experience, that's, that's something that I might be able to do. Um, I think in this particular situation with with the young coaching staff i know that Hart, craig hartsburg hartsey um you know did some stuff with with the staff up in, in, in or down in columbus and maybe that's an area that uh, yarmo is thinking about like yarmo's at the world championships right now so we're going to talk when he gets back and uh, you're kind of getting the preempt of what that conversation might look like but uh you know uh, if, if that's something i think that in some form or fashion i i could come in like hartsey does or talk on the phone and especially, you know, Tony, at the beginning of our year, we, we have way more practices than games. Perhaps that would be a good time to come in. If this is something I, do, I would do, I, you know, I, I would hope that uh, Vogzi and I and Tessie would be able to talk over the summer about, you know, some thoughts that I have and, and might continue to have in, in helping them, you know, anticipate a little bit more what's coming their way and how could they could be more effective. So that's kind of a broad scope of what we might be talking about. Well, it's exciting. I mean, you've been around the game for such a long time in so many different, you know, ways. You know, I, I just wish you all the best in, in whatever is ahead and hope to see you around the rink plenty in the, in the well, Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Oh, my pleasure. All right. So, Nicole, what do you say? Let's cap it off. How about the shootout segment? Take yes. Care. All right. So, first round of the shootout. I know I've heard you uh, say it before, but for our fans that may not know, what has been something about Cleveland that you and your wife have enjoyed? I could list some things. I really, I, I'm prepared for this question because, <laughs> but, but I think first and foremost is the park system. I mean, yes. uh, we, we love to take our dogs our dog, excuse me, for walks. And uh, and I know Ben has a big old dog now. We walk our dogs together and uh, uh, it's brilliant. The the emerald necklace and how it uh, strands through and, and the fact that that glacier came through and created Rocky River Reservation just blows me away. I just, I can't believe, I remember we came and looked at this townhome and uh, our real estate agent took us to Rocky River Reservation and I had him pull over. I'm saying, 
Now you're telling me we're 15 minutes from downtown, you know, and it's like, this, this is impossible. And then we went up to the, the, the tip there by Lake Erie where you can rent kayaks and go out on the lake. It's just like, this is incredible. And, and I think Bethy told me that Cleveland is like voted number one in, in, in parks for, for the whole country. And I, I can see that now. So that, that would be, that would be first and foremost. The other thing about Cleveland is the, uh, the things that it offers in a broad sense, like the theater district downtown, you know, Bethy and I have gone and watched some shows and, uh, and, and just truly enjoyed that. And then you, you hear the history of how that was supposed to emulate New York city. They wanted to have their own little touch of that. So we really enjoyed that. And I, I think these go together. I, I would say the food and the people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, uh, you know, they, they, they go together, don't they? <laughs> they, do. they do. We go to a restaurant and, and the, the different cultures and the foods and the people we've met have been just uh, blow us away. So this has been nothing but such an enjoyable uh, experience for my bride and I, and uh, we, we've created great friendships and I look forward to coming back every, every chance I get. That's for sure. You know, you mentioned it and I have to bring it up, but Ben, your son, for our listeners that may not know his dog, Thunder Poo, stole the show for our Pucks and Paws calendar shoe. I know he was featured many times and that is a big dog. That's a giant dog. I One used to like St. Bernard's at my grandma's house and that's still a big dog for me. Well, our son Patrick had a black Newfoundland and, and his name was Ruben, Rue, Rue dog, we call him. And uh, he, he was a big lad, but thunder is like just so much thicker. Yes. And, I mean, you, you could literally, and we joke about this, put a little saddle on, put kids for a ride, you know? And, uh, but you know, He's, uh, thank gosh, he doesn't jump up. Like he comes towards you and he's got that big body just moving and, but he doesn't jump and he doesn't lick your face. So got those two things going for us there. Got both those boxes. Well, so that sort of leads into the next question I have, which is about Ben. So obviously, um, you know, the season didn't go as you planned, but I know from what I got to see is I got to watch you and Ben um, sit together in the press box con- mm-hmm. consistently and get to watch the game together, work together. And, you know, I know that, again, this is something we've had you talk about before, but I just can't help but ask, what was your favorite part of being able to not only work with your son again here, but especially at this um, transition point in your career and how it sort of worked out where maybe it's not what you wanted to do this year, but it seemed like you got some good time with Ben out of it. There was two and a half years when the boys were in high school that when we transitioned from Finland back home, they went to the prep school and the job that I took is with the Pittsburgh Penguins as an assistant coach. I had another year on my contract in Finland, but I was able to get out of it. And I said, I said to Bethy, if, if I couldn't be in the same country, I was going to be in the same, I mean, in the same city, I was going to be in the same country. So, so I missed two and a half years and that was, that was tough. So we call this time when I get to work with Ben bonus time. I think Nicole, you've heard me use that term and, and that's what it was. And it, it was fun to, Ben is very much a teacher as I think I am inside the way we, uh, we break down the game. We, I don't think we were the, we, we were not the most, the best players on the ice are the most natural, but we had the ability to learn and figure things out. And I think that's what we, we try to do with our players is to take the big skill, the big picture, break it into parts and be able to give it to guys so they can grasp it and improve on it. So we talk about that a lot as we watch games. Uh, we're sitting up there and we're talking about different skills or, you know, like, did you see? And you, I, I don't think the average fan would see stuff that we see because our microscope is turned up a little bit, but we, 
we had fun doing that, breaking down a big skill and being able to go back to the guys and, and give it to them. I think that's the part that I know Ben finds re rewarding and I and I did also over the years. All right, perfect. And last, uh, last round of the shootout here, you've obviously had an extensive career playing coaching. So if you had to offer a piece of advice to, you know, whether it's a player who's trying to continue to make his way mm -hmm. or someone who's getting into coaching, what advice would you give? I think there's three pieces of this. It's a question I've been asked before. And, and uh, I think first and foremost, you've got to do a good job where you are. Like if you're a young coach, don't worry about getting to the highest position or being a president right away. Do a great job where you are. Be in the moment and, and, and do the things that you need to do to be successful. Uh, the second thing I would be is, is to network, you know, in, in this business. And you guys are, are in the world and you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So you need to create relationships throughout your network and, and follow up and nurture them and let people know what's going on. I think that that goes hand in hand with doing a really good job where you are. And then the third piece is kind of, it's 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 not in our control, but it's be at the right place at the right time. I, I think you guys know what I'm talking about uh, in, in your own little worlds. Like you two do really good jobs of what you do and you have aspirations, but be at the right place at the right time and it'll fall, fall into your hands for you. So those are, those are three things that, cause I get some calls from some young coaches and they want to, they want to climb the ladder and they want to get there. Well, you know, th those are some thoughts. It's not the end all to be all, but those are some thoughts. I love it. Uh, great, well, great stuff. Great yeah. stuff. Thank you so much. That is uh, the shootout and that's it for the first season, Nicole, of the Monsters Eye View podcast. How about I think that? Perfect way to wrap up the first season. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I got a question for you, Tony, with sure, the shootout. Yes. Did yes. I score? Yeah. yeah, three <laughs> okay. That's, okay. That, uh, that's all I was. <laughs> three nothing final. Okay, very good. Very good. <laughs> yeah, so, all right. Um, no, but uh, just again, uh, Mike, thank you so much, and and look forward to seeing you around the rink, like we said. But enjoy the summer, enjoy the uh, time off, and uh, thanks again for doing this. Yeah. Today. Thank you both for everything during the years here. We appreciate it. Well, that was just fantastic to get a chance to catch up with a legend in the game of hockey and someone that has meant a lot to the Cleveland Monsters for the last three years, Mike Eves. We are back alongside Nicole Delvolano, Tony Brown with you on the Monsters Eye View podcast presented by PropSwap. We're on PropSwap in a minute, but Nicole, I, I know you feel as I do, and uh, this goes double for all of the Monsters staff and uh, fans and everybody. We just wish Coach the best of luck with what's ahead for him and his family. That's going to be a new chapter for him, and it's going to be strange for the first First time in nearly 40 years, he'll head into a hockey season, not heading behind the bench. So uh, that's a transition to be sure. And I know we're all just wishing him the best of luck. Yeah, agreed. Can't wait to see what's next for him uh, and really hope uh, we'll get to yeah, a quick word from PropSwap before we wrap things up here. And a huge thank you to our great friends at PropSwap for making this program possible. Guys, the NBA playoffs are well, well underway. PropSwap is the best place to turn the hardwood into cold, hard cash. PropSwap is the only app that allows you to pick your favorite teams, then sell your bets whenever you want. Go to PropSwap.com or download the free PropSwap app today. So, Nicole, here we are. We've reached the end of the first season of the Monsters IFU podcast here. Uh, I, I want to say my first 
thank you to you. I know when this project came up, uh, I thought of you right away, and it has been so much fun collaborating with you and working on this, uh, setting a foundation for these uh, conversations, and we'll see what it looks like next year, but I know we're planning on being back and bringing more great content to the Monster fans, but thank you so much for really steering the ship uh, for the podcast this year, and and, uh, I've just really enjoyed myself, so thanks so much. Yes, of course, and thanks right back to you. You know, you've sort of forced me out of my comfort zone here. I am very happy to be the person behind the scenes. So getting a little in front of the scenes was out of the norm for me, but you know, how can it not be easy with a pro like you on the other end of the mic? So it makes it good. Well, very kind of you, but it, it's a collaboration and it's been so much fun. Uh, got a lot of thank yous, though, to hand out. First and foremost, uh, again, to the fine folks at PropSwap for making this possible. And to all of the folks who listen, if you listen to just one episode or if you're a faithful listener and you listen to all of them this season, uh, it just means the world to us. And, and we hope you've enjoyed the content. If you have any ideas for guests or, or things you want to hear going into next year, please don't hesitate. Reach out to me on Twitter at TonyBrownPXP or reach out to the Monsters on Twitter at Monsters Hockey. Let us know who you might want to hear from. Stay in touch with us throughout the summer and uh, we will look to get back with you in the fall. Also want to say thanks to all of our guests this year. It was really a fantastic lineup. We got started with the coaching staff with Mark Letestu and Trent Vogelhuber in the first couple episodes to the Monsters players that joined us. That's Adam Haluka, Justin Scott, former Monster, Brad Thiessen, uh, Trey Fix-Bolansky, Tyler Secura, Billy Sweezy, Robbie Payne, Jet Greaves to Coach Eves, who was awesome in this episode, and then to some folks from outside the organization, a huge, huge thank you goes out to Jeff Svoboda, the Blue Jackets insider for Columbus. A huge thanks to Doug Plagans, former Monster broadcaster, voice of the Florida Panthers. Huge thanks to Blake Bolden. That was really fun to catch up with her and get to know her a little bit better as she helped us with our Women's History Celebration presented by Athleta earlier this year. And of course, thanks to the one and only Jock Calendar for taking us down memory lane in episode four, and to Ben Adams and Raven Payne, who took us behind the scenes in our fifth episode this year of what goes into making the Monsters community relations and promotional nights happen. So we look forward to a lot of great chats next year, but uh, all those guys were great. Did you have a favorite guest this year, Nicole? I won't say a favorite, but I will say I have a specific thank you to Billy Sweezy and Jack Reeves for making me aware of this unofficial book club and letting me force my way in and turn this book club into a thing. So a special thanks to these guys and very appreciative of the podcast for giving me some summer reading. As far as I'm concerned, it's now an official book club and we'll look forward to examining that in detail next season and maybe even on the TV show. And I think Jet and Billy and uh, whomever else, Tim Burney, Tim Burney, a trip to the art museum as well. And maybe we'll see if that works uh, on the OT show too. But uh, that's it for a season of podcasting. Nicole, we're officially podcasters now. We went through an entire campaign and we'll reconvene in the fall. But uh, thanks to everybody out there for being a part of it. For Nicole Del Volano, I am Tony Brown. Thank you again and enjoy the warm weather and the summer months. And once we get closer to hockey season, we'll talk. This has been the Monsters I View podcast presented by PropSwap. So long, everybody. 